Hello, and welcome to the first Cameron Brooks podcast episode of 2021. Phew, it feels like we've all broken through the finish line tape after completing a marathon of the roller coaster year that was 2020. So as we reflect on this year, I think we can all agree it was one of tremendous growth. During this episode of the podcast, Joel Junker interviews our president and CEO, Chuck Alvarez, to review 2020 as a whole. Chuck is a master storyteller, a wizard of words, and during their conversation, they discuss the impact of 2020 on the JMO, how the pandemic has played a part in career searches, and the best way to position yourself for a smooth transition. So without further ado, let's dive in. And we'll go ahead and kick off our uh, 2020 uh, year-end webcast. And we've never done this before. Always the year-end webcast has been uh, a PowerPoint presentation with a bunch of numbers and data and then a Q&A. And uh, thought we would uh, bring in and engage our CEO, Chuck, who is um, works closely with our client companies and give you all an inside view of what's happening out there in the business world. And the other thing about Chuck, too, is he works really closely with the candidates in the follow-up interview process. Um, so before we jump in and get uh, Chuck started here with a bunch of questions, you know, what a year in 2020. I'm sure you guys all out there listening to this had your very own experiences and changes, and we certainly did here as well. I mean, we saw, and Chuck will touch on this, I think unemployment rate rose up uh, over 15%. And what did GDP drop in the in the second quarter check? Was it 30% drop? On an annual basis, yeah. It was the worst ec- economy since 19, uh, the 1930s uh, for that quarter. Um, unemployment has since then dropped uh, to 6.7%. It's come down and it continues to come down. And for your demographic, the audience that's listening, you might not recognize this, but the unemployment rate is actually close to 4% now which is what economists actually call the full the full employment rate. And we saw this change here for us as well, uh, where we were at an average of eight interviews in April. We climbed all the way right back up to 11 and a half in November compared to uh, just short of 13 in January. So we almost, we almost made it all the way back there. So it felt like there was a lot of momentum as we go into 2021. And we want to bring that reality of what we experienced in 2020 and really talk a little bit of what we're experiencing, what we look forward to in 2021 to help you all make good decisions uh, about your transition. And also, there's just a lot of information that you're going to encounter over the holidays uh, from family members based on their experience. And we wanted to give you the, hey, this is what we're seeing here. This is the reality. This is the challenges of the transition versus necessarily what you see in the in the uh, in the news or from family members over the holidays. So here's Chuck, uh, been with Cameron Brooks 26 years, uh, started out on the recruiting side of our business and then worked over on the client company side. And in 2013, when Roger Cameron Renee Brooks turned the company over, uh, Chuck uh, became the uh, CEO in 2013. He's got a great unique perspective. As I mentioned, he's talking to business leaders every single day, uh, industry leading companies about their their succession planning, their leadership that they're looking forward to bring into the organization. And he helps uh, really work closely, not only with companies coming into the conference, but in the follow-up process with the candidates in their strategic decisions in the transition. 
The great thing about having Chuck on here is that he doesn't have just an inside view of one industry. He's talking to companies that are in the healthcare industry. I mean, he's talking to one of the leading companies that are making the, the COVID vaccine. He's talking to companies in energy, financial services, logistics, and, and, and much more. So Chuck, thanks for being on here. Um, maybe we could start off of, wow, what's your overarching theme on 2020 and kind of some of your takeaways as it goes to, to, uh, to the transition for JMOs? Yeah. Well, then these are never, these are never fun years. They're, uh, they're really challenging years. And I, I've been saying to people that I think a good summary for the year is that it's the best worst year we've ever had. You know, it, uh, there, it was so challenging, but at the same time, there's just so much reward in, um, working our way through it. Uh, one of my favorite Buffett quotes is that when the, um, when the tide goes out, which I think he really means the economic tide goes out, you know, you can tell which companies have been swimming naked. And, and in the, in the world of recruiting firms and, you know, I think the tide went out in 2020 and it's not exactly a very pretty site out there. Um, you know, for, for Cameron Brooks, the way that we have always run this company for the decades that we've been doing this is to is to prepare the strengths of the company and the team so that when the tide does go out you know we we're not trying to figure out who we are as a company we already know who we are as a company before that year uh, hits us and and therefore we're prepared for it this was an unbelievably difficult uh, downturn because it happened literally in like five days and and I've been through the dot com implosion and you know the housing crisis, uh, the financial meltdown, September 11th, which I thought was just an unbelievably uh, difficult time. So I think Joel and I both, I think this might be our fifth downturn um, that we've uh, that we've been through in our career. Um, and Roger Cameron and Renee Brooks and Mary Lou White, uh, you know, have been through even more than that. But I think the the most gratifying part of it is that when you when you work really hard and you really test yourself. Um, as a as an organization, it's just it's just really sweet on the other end of it. You know, we 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 executed five career conferences. I said this in a video back in March, where I suggested you know when you're really in doubt and you're not sure of what to do, just focus on your mission. That's an old military thing. So everybody on this call has heard that you know before. It's um, you know focus on your mission. You know, get your eyes down on the on the path in front of you and figure out how to execute. And that's what uh, that's what our team did, and we're just really proud of the military officers that we were able to work with and help. And so it's it's a it's a it's a great terrible year, but you know here we are, uh, smarter and wiser, and a lot of young people on our team. And I think even a lot of young people listening to this call, you know, it's probably uh, the last economic downturn was in 2009. So we've we've really been through 11 years of economic expansion. And a lot of you know very positive things happening in corporations um, and industries like Joel mentioned. You know this this might be one of the first real big economic downturns that a lot of young professionals um, have seen. So here they are, a lot stronger and wiser. And the next time it happens, they'll have younger teammates that maybe are going through it the first time, and they're going to be a lot better off. Almost like when you go to a second deployment and a third deployment. You know you just you just have a toolkit that is uh, that comes from the lessons of experience, and the harder the experiences, the better the tools, and the better the lessons. So that that's kind of my summary on on uh, on this year. Chuck, I don't know if you were on one of our meetings. We talked about this. 
it builds off of what you were talking about. I went through, uh, as you said, several downturns, but there was something really unique about 2009's downturn. Obviously, this is super unique too. I kept a journal during that 2009 downturn because it was stressful. And I went into this downturn a lot more confident because I'd been through September 11th. and, And I read through my journal in 2009 and I actually watched personally my career really take off 2010, 11, 12. That got, I feel like me, me ready to be the, a partner for you uh, starting in 2013. And that's, the, that's what I build off of what you've just said there. There's a tremendous amount of experience. There's worth so much learning happens. And I think there's an advantage for people that did make the transition this year and continue to make the transition. You're getting on board with companies that are, if they're hiring, they're looking at you, you get in to solve problems. You're going to get great experience that you might not get for, as you said, another 10 years. It's a little bit like deployments. You know, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, joining the military at a time when there's a heavy deployment cycle. You know, if you're a young 01, 02, uh, you're going to get experiences that, you know, sometimes people have to wait a lot, a lot longer in their career to be able to get. And those, those opportunities are pitches. They're hard pitches and it takes more grit and more drive. But our society needs it so desperately. Corporations need it. You know, people that can that can approach a problem with that positive attitude. And, and I've had companies say this to me, you know, they love their former military because they say to people on a team, hey, this could be a lot worse. You know, Th- thankfully, we're not in Kabul right now. And and uh, and it's true. Military officers bring a level of experience facing adversity that is uh you know, that's unique in society and, and one can argue more valuable in times like this than they are in good economies. So I think that's really well said, Joel. You know, with that said, Chick, you know, it's, were you surprised that we hit this thing in the middle of March and companies were still hiring? I mean, it did slow down, obviously, but there were companies mm-hmm. hiring in April. There Absolutely. were companies still hired in June when we were still at the beginning of this. And Things got a little bit more settled, but companies were still hiring. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I'm most proud of is that, you know, and, and it was, it was a tsunami of, uh, of economic uncertainty that hit in that March. I mean, I just, I've never seen anything come on uh, so quickly, but the thing I was most proud of, Joel, is that, you know, you had all the January candidates that had received employment offers really in the month of February with start dates that were, you know, starting, call it late March to mid-April. That which is the window for the for the January class, and uh, not one offer was rescinded, not one not one employee. Now some start dates were pushed back a little bit because the companies weren't running their operations at that time, and they didn't want somebody to start when basically no nobody is there. And I think we were still trying to work through exactly how we were going to do remote starting. So some start dates were backed up, but companies were really talking to their new employees saying you know, hey, when is your ETS? And, you know, when are you out of benefits? I mean, there was a lot of working through that, but did nobody, nobody ended up in any hardship from, you know, from January, which just shows that, I, you know, I think a lot of companies knew it was bad, but it felt, you know, we, t- we all talked about a V-shaped, you know, economic recovery was going to go down real fast and come back. It didn't exactly follow that. But at the time, I think it just, it showed companies knew we need to batten down the hatches and weather this thing, but we're not, you know, it wasn't dramatically at that point altering 
altering business plans. We were right when it happened, we were in the middle of preparing for the April conference. And there was definitely companies that said, listen, you know, we need to hold what we have right now. That's a good companies are going to, are going to do everything they can to avoid layoffs there. So they're not going to add staff. So we, we definitely felt that. I, I, I think the average number of interviews, we were probably planning on 12 interviews at the April conference, somewhere 12, 13, and, you know, it went down to seven or, you know, seven and a half or eight. So, you know, it, it definitely, I mean, that was the hardest one of the four virtual conferences, just because of the, the level of uncertainty that's out there. But I think, you know, you pointed out really well, Joel, you know, we've always been so focused on so many different industries. You know, we've never been a specific industry recruiter. We, you know, it's funny, you think the Fortune 500, you know, 500 of the largest US-based public companies, but there are also a lot of private companies that are out there that aren't listed on that. And if you just take, you know, public companies, there are 18,000 companies spread across 20 major industries, 18,000 companies that have 500 or more employees. And so, you know, and again, multiple industries. So not, in an economic downturn, not every industry is hit the same. I think that it's an advantage to broadness. It's advantage to, a, to somebody with a wider strategy, you know, multiple courses of action, interviewing with, you know, different companies like the nature of our career conference, right? It's uh, got broadness kind of cooked into it. There were certain industries that were, you know, hit very, very hard, but other ones kept hiring. I think additionally, you know, hiring, if you take any of the major studies that are out there, the manpower study on future hiring in corporations, the, the IBM study on human capital, the Society of HR Management study on companies and, and hiring talent, you know, any of these really big studies, the number one thing that companies and, and C-level executives worry about in corporations across corporate America is, is a leadership gap in talent. They're looking 10 years from now at the, at the number of leaders that we need in a company to execute a business strategy. And all but like 6% of companies feel like their current level of junior talent is ready. And so, and I think a lot of that has to do with the grain of America and retiring baby boomers and, you know, these macroeconomic trends that are out there that are not going to be affected by a, uh, a global pandemic. And so therefore, there are going to be companies that are thinking strategically in, in industries that are going to keep a presence in hiring. Now, it's not easy because there's a lot of uncertainty around too, and it's not easy to define those companies. But I think because we have so many alumni and we've done this so long and we've stayed so broad, and there's also a lot of flow even within our alumni, right? You know, they, we place them at a company, they're there 10 years, they do really well, they get picked off by another corporation. And so often they're coming back to us trying to find really strong junior leaders for this, you know, this leadership gap. And because of that, you know, we're just in a position that we have the ability to weather that, uh, that storm. What did you hear from companies in terms of some of the characteristics that were really important to them in hiring because they could just be really selective mm-hmm. it feels like this and, and, and they really need to, needed to be you, you know even for us here at Cambridge we're thinking about you know building our team we just want to be really selective what were they selective on is it degrees is it trades what were they I mean I kind of know the answer here because mm-hmm. tell us mm-hmm. is, I want to tease that out of you what are they looking for I think one of the things that I've always loved doing here is I, I really like focusing our help that we provide companies on high complexity openings. 
in a high complexity opening, the answer to your question, Joel, is it's going to have multiple characteristics in the same person. You know, and, and a lot of these jobs, they stay open for a while because it, it requires a really unique skill set of talent. So, for example, a company ha- wants a very, very strong leader that can work with people, inspire a group of people to accomplish goals. But at the same time, they also want somebody that's very analytical, that is a really, really good, robust problem solver. But at the same time, they also want somebody that's a great collaborator that can work cross-functionally with peers and somebody that's got a really strong commitment to execution, but also can think creatively. And so it's a, it's a, I kid around, but a high complexity opening when you ask a hiring manager, hey, what are the success factors? You know, one of my favorite questions is if you had a hundred people performing in this job, what would the top 10 have in common? The top 10 performers. And you get this run-on sentence of behaviors. And whenever a company has a run-on sentence of behaviors in an opening, it's a high-complexity opening. And two, best athlete leadership hiring, non-traditional best athlete leadership hiring, which is really what our expertise is in JMO hiring, right? These non-traditional people that have just a great collection of hard-to-find skills. You know, with that, with that focus really it's it's ripe for somebody with five, six, seven, eight years of military experience where you've been thrown at a lot of different jobs where you were not necessarily trained. I kid around about this, but I'm really not kidding. I think the, the military is incredibly good at sticking high quality people into jobs over their career that they're not fully trained for. So you end up having learning agility that is just off the charts, like your ability to learn on the fly, which candidly is why I've never been a fan of internship programs. I mean, except for like, maybe you get a job where you have interns working for you. I think that's totally fine, right? But, but not where you are an intern because an intern is a trainee role. And, you know, personally, just this has been my life's work and, and I'm giving you a personal value on it, but I, I find that insulting for a high quality military officer to be put in the same type of internship program that a, uh, a person that hasn't even graduated from college, you know, would be in. And that's not, that's not to say those people are being mean or being insulting. It really is. The companies don't know what to do with you. And so they, they plug you into a program, you know, like that. We have never been fans of those programs. I think military officers are fully capable of jumping into high quality jobs where, where results count. And uh, as long as they've got the right tools around them and uh, the right organization to teach them the things they, they, that they need and the right mindset to learn what they need, that there are, there are roles that really need those skills. So we've always focused on that. And that's why I think, you know, we're, you know, regardless of the economy, there's always going to be demand for those uh, high complexity leaders. Yeah. Chuck, such a good point too, because what you didn't try, quite touch on, but you were alluding to is they're coming back a little bit now, but like, April, June, July, August, we heard from a lot of people, JMOs, companies alike, that uh, like a rotational program or things like that, so internships, they stop because they're not in a real position. And we were seeing jobs, whether it be that critical mat plant for Mars or Catalan for production, these were jobs that like, these are so important. We have to get these filled. We need a leader that can step in here right now and really make a, make a difference. I can't like, even here, like at Cameron Brooks, we don't have the capacity just to hire people and like have them on board for two years and not have them like have an objective and have a goal and add towards the bottom line of our company. We heard that over and over from companies. And 
I think that was a value for our career search and our JMOs that made a transition this year. Absolutely. Well, you, you touched on, so you, this goes a great segue check into preparation or, or the career search strategy. Preparation's always been important, but as you've got people out here that are thinking about the transition or that are in our program, why is preparation, why can't they just wing it? Like, or even mm-hmm. just, why can't they learn a few significant accomplishments, tell me about yourself and get through the interview process? How come preparation is so important? Well, I do think it has to do with that. I think that if you're going to market yourself as a talent hire, you know, you, you, you have to be ready to jump into a role and produce results. But I think it's in, there's an interesting analogy. Sometimes, sometimes I hear online or somebody posts on LinkedIn to me or something like that, that, hey, the business world doesn't get the military. Like there's something wrong with the business world not understanding the military. And I say back to them, well, does the military get the business world any better? They argue that A doesn't equal B, but I, but I ask them, do you think that B equals A? And imagine this setup. You're a brigade commander, just to borrow an army or marine analogy. You're a brigade commander and, uh, and you're you know, helping hire an executive officer for one of the companies in your brigade. And you know, you're going to, you're, it's an important hire. It's an important executive officer job, you know, important company commander needs help, you know, needs a leader, needs somebody that can execute, you know, the, the company has an important mission. The brigade has an important mission, but this time you're going to think non-traditionally instead of hiring a platoon leader or somebody else from the military, you're going to go outside of the military and you're going to hire a business person. You're going to hire somebody with five or six years of experience in business you're really wanting to get the cast a wider net and get the very, very best of talent that, that's out there. Just imagine how important preparation would be for that business person to step in to an interview process with a bunch of other already three, four-year, five-year platoon leaders, specialty platoon leaders, assistant S3s, you know, what have you, and compete to win the top spot for that executive officer job. Like In essence, that's what's happening here. And I think a lot of times... It's very difficult for, and I was the same way, by the way. I had no idea. I thought the companies were just going to read my evaluations and say, hey, this guy's you know, good military officer, just you know, put him in this role. Like I had no idea that I had to compete. So I don't fault anybody for this. It's, it's, it's just a matter of learning a sport that you're not as familiar with. But you can imagine how difficult it would be to compete against experienced people. And that competition is out there. They're graduating, you know, four years ago from really good colleges and they are, they are, uh, you know, they've been in trainee programs and internship programs and rotational programs. So now they're, they're not 22 anymore. They're 26, they're 27. And, you know, maybe they're finishing up an MBA program and about to enter the the market. And believe it or not, you all, they still don't have anywhere near as much leadership as you have. You, you have an incredibly unique experience. You know, and I wish I could go in for you. Like, I wish I could sit there in an interview for you. And when a company asks you a question, I could translate it for you and say, here's what they mean. And here's, here's where you need to go on your resume to be able to connect with them. And then when you answered the question, I would turn to the company, I would say, here's what she means. And, you know, she's talking about this and this is the relatability. You know, I I wish I could be there for you to help translate. Not unlike, I wish I could be there for the really strong business person and translate military speak for them. So that, you know, that brigade commander and those 
you know, battalion commanders and, and company commanders would be nodding up and down. Yeah, yeah, we really need that in this, in this XO. But in the end, that's what's happening. And in a tighter market, there are always going to be more leaders showing up for jobs. They're always going to be more. And just like you have an advantage as that platoon leader already knowing the language and the, already having institutional knowledge in the egregious example I just gave where the coin is flipped on the other side, imagine what you would need on this side. Now, of course, the development and preparation program is, design, is decades of proven tools and our team here just so willing to help because we just know how critical this preparation step is in tough, in tough situations at these conferences this year, there are Cameron Brooks JMOs at conferences just rocking interview schedules and, and putting themselves at the very top spot over and over again. But it, you can't just roll out of bed and do it. It has to be something like any train up, um, like any athlete. Athletes usually get this easily, right? You just can't roll out into the finals. Um, of a of a really important tennis match, and and, and show up and think you're going to be able to play your best. I mean, it's, it's impossible. Other people are going to do are going to be more you know more prepared. And there's no sense in finishing second or third for an opening. You know, you have to finish as the first part. Just like saying, hey, I I was third candidate on the list for that XO job. You know, great, but you, that's not going to help you at all. You've got to finish. You've got to win the gold medal you, for that particular opening. You have to be the very top candidate because that's what the companies are going to uh, are going to go after. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit of our agenda because I think that ties into Chuck wrote where you know, when somebody's out just to go get a job, and you may have to de define this, you know, to, to just find a position. They just need to get out of the military. I want to find work. It, you may not have to be as prepared. But we're not, Cameron Brooks, and you know, we've been talking about really what is it that we do. We're not here to help people find a job. But if you're going to really make this successful transition, this preparation is so much more critical and important. From your perspective, because you help officers later in the process when they're inter follow-up interviewing with the companies, they're starting to get their offers, really think through the transition. So what is the difference between finding a job and doing a career search for a transition? How do you explain that to somebody that thinks, I just need to get out of the military and find good work? Yeah, you know, that, that could be a very viable objective for somebody that is, that's looking for more of a medium complexity type opening or a lower complexity opening and, you know, and not necessarily market themselves so much as a talent hire. You know, it would, it would be the same thing as maybe I'm going to, you know, I'm a business cyber person and, and I'm going to try to become a military cyber person. So I'm going to market myself functionally to a company and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a logistician. I want to be a logistician. Um, and, and so, so that functional hire is an experiential hire. I think it's very, very different to market yourself to a company as, as junior leadership talent. And so, and which is, which is what our specialty um, is. And so, so I think, you know, you have to figure out what your objective is. You know, I think it's really good. I ask a lot of young people this, I say you're 28 years old on average, which is, you know, 28, 28 and a half, the average uh, tenure, you know, six, six and a half years post-college is the center 
of our curve. You know, there's a range in there. There's a standard deviation, but that's, you know, that's the, that's the median. And, you know, I say to them, okay, you're, you're 28. Tell me what you see at 38. Like, what, what do you really want to be doing at 38? And for people that are very career minded, that really aspire, you know, you, you've been on a leadership track in the service, you know, there's no secret to this. The military promotes their lieutenants to captains and their captains to majors and their majors to, you know, lieutenant colonels, again, to, to, to not the non-Navy analogy, but, but the, the, uh, the, 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 or non-Navy rank structure, but the, you know, the, the, the point is, is you've been on that track. And if you desire to stay on it, I, I think, I think there is an accelerate, you know, to, to, to grow your career. Um, I think there is a, there is a necessity to market yourself as talent. And then I think it's really fun to market yourself as high, you know, as high complexity talent, because the, the you're, you're already setting yourself up as a leader in a business and then, you know, chop some wood in your new career as a, as a leader. And, and you're, you know, you'll get the track record of performance combined with your high potentialness, high potential plus three or four years of performance in the right role is a wonderful way to, you know, come off that leadership track that you're on as an O3 and, and, and steep in the slope. Um, so I think, I think it all depends, Joel, on what somebody's 10-year objective is. But, but we, you know, we really like, and we make, you know, we don't make any bones about this. You know, we're really looking for people that, you know, are, want to market themselves as, as uh, leadership talent. And a lot of the work that we're putting in is, is to try to get to that end. And it, you, know, you have a lot of people that get out, they start there when they contact us you know, well before they get to you. I want to get out. I want more upside. I want to have more control over my career. I want to be able to use my full skill set. From their perspective, they're describing what you describe. What they want is what we, we, that, that what we offer. But as they get closer towards the transition, the priorities sometimes get conflicted because you and I were both there many years ago. Location becomes important. It depends yes. on where it is a priority. Compensation is important. Um, Work-life balance is important. But all of a sudden, when it started out as the priority, like I want what you just described, all of a sudden becomes, well, it seems like I could just get this in Seattle or I could just do this in Dallas. And, and this seems to be kind of a time of the year when people kind of get those conflicted. And sometimes as you get closer to your transition, it gets muddled. How, what is it in the human nature that causes this, Chuck? From yeah. your perspective, you've been doing it a long time. We've, you mm-hmm. read about it. You know it from experience. What do you say to this group? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, and my heart goes out uh, to, to military, to the U.S. military, especially this time of year, because there's still people deployed all over the place and, and um, so my heart goes out, you know, here we are enjoying the holidays and, you know, military officers, you know, sacrifice a lot. And, and that's just the nature of service. So I think that, I think that over the years, Joel, a lot of, you know, a lot of, even myself uh, getting out uh, 30 years ago or almost 30 years ago, um, I think that as we get closer, so, so the first thing you start with is a strategy. And the strategy is a good five to 10 year strategy. But as you get closer to the decision, I think that uh, there's a natural reaction to military service when you get out. And, and you know, in, in military service, you have no time, you have no freedom, and you really have limited resources. 
I, I still somewhat laugh at myself today that I told Roger Cameron when I interviewed with him 30 years ago that I wanted to be within a 10 hour drive of Washington, DC. And, and I, I actually ever since I left the service, I've only driven in a car t- 10 hours once. And that was, that was two days after September 11th. I drove across West Texas to go pick up my wife and two kids back then. I've got three now, but, but that was the only time I ever drove 10 hours. But that was actually my idea that, hey, 10-hour drives are, are fine because you know, that's all you had. And you know, I didn't have deep resources in the military. But, but you know, once, you, so once you get closer to the decision, I think you know, the idea of getting closer to family is because you've been away. And it's, so it's a reaction. But just like military planning, you know, you don't want to react in military planning. That ends up being much more short term. And, and so, you know, and I, I, I say this all the time to people, you know, I'm half Irish and uh, on my mom's side, she's 100 percent Irish. And the way that Irish mothers tell you that they love you is they t- ask you to move closer to them. That's what they say. And I think if, if my mom had her druthers her three kids and all our grandkids that wouldn't just live in the same city. Like we would all like live in the same neighborhood. And so family, that's the way that they express love for us. You know, they want us, they want proximity. I think they're reacting to it too, because in the military, you've had no freedom, you've had no time and and your resources are limited. So your amount of time around them has been constrained. So they're going to fix the constrained time and lack of resources with, with proximity and geography, very natural human reaction to it. But j- just like if you were going to, you know, the high complexity career search, the, 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 uh, you know, an investment, I'm going to make an investment in the beginning of my career. You know, you're doing an industry change, just like a business person going in the military is going to be doing an industry change. You're going from the military to the private sector it behooves you if your goals are 10 years in a leadership track and a high potential person, high performer in a company, in a corporation, it behooves you to look at your, five, your first five years getting out of the service as that is the transition process. The transition is a five-year investment. And if you can get yourself into that spot five years from now, there is so much more flexibility on geography as you grow your career, you'll, you'll actually end up with both. You'll have a great career and you'll have the geography that you like. You know, I have to tell you, I don't know any general manager, senior vice president or C-level executive in a company that doesn't live where they want to live. Zero. And, and I think even the whole idea of where we live starts going away. You know, there are people that are, you know, one of our alum I just talked to, you know, last week is, uh, a general manager, you know, a senior vice president for a company in California, and he he has a house in Cincinnati, and he's got an apartment in California, and he splits his time, you know, between those two, not week by week, but you know, one month here, one month there, and you know, as you as you grow in a company, it becomes less and less important where you live, as long as you're willing to do a little bit of traveling, and so I think what we're really talking about here is not giving up geographic flexibility for your career, what we're really talking about is wise investments. And I think there are a lot of companies out there that will, or, you know, I'll say it this way. I think there are a lot of organizations that say this is not that big of a deal. And, and because I think they just want to play somebody 
and they want you to accept a job. But what they're not, what they're not really looking at is the data, you know, the data of retention. And I cannot tell you how many people I've known over the years that I've done this that, you know, go to work and, you know, decide to restrict on geography and get the geography they want. And 12 months later, they switch, um, they do an entire industry change again. And, and usually either first trying to stay inside the city, but then they, they're on their third one. And after that, 12 months later, and then their fourth one. And if you don't believe me, just go look on LinkedIn and just look at, you know, look at military officers. And I think, you know, Joel and the team here are great to show you examples of people that made smart investments in their first five years and the, the return on investment that they, uh, that they've gotten out of it, where they really do, you know, they, I can't say you get your cake and eat it too completely because I think these jobs are hard and they're, they're leadership jobs as you grow in a company are difficult. And, and so, you know, you end up with a lot more gray hair, um, than maybe you wanted to have, but, um, but geography is not the issue. Um, ne- neither is the wherewithal to travel. And now, of course, with COVID, it's a little bit weird. But, but uh, you know, you'll I, I say this a lot to people. It's you know, when you're a few years out of the military in a developmental career, you'll change your preferences and Expedia to to sort the flights by by direct flights in the shortest duration. Mm-hmm. You actually really don't care very much how much it costs. You value time with loved ones more than you value, you know, really relative to what your, your income potential becomes. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket, you know, uh, for, for that direct, for that direct flight to places. And so anyway, the point is, I think the real question is, do I want to, do I want to get a payout right now geographically? Do I want to use my military experience to get the right zip code? And maybe, maybe not get yourself into the right fit, or do I want to use my my military experience as is to, to earn a uh, to earn a, a position that's going to give me the right fit, the way you define fit, the way you define it that that has that provides value that you're looking for in a group of people in an industry in a job that's going to satiate you. I think that is the most important thing is to get into something that fits. I always tell people in your first job out of the military, it should be something that's going to hold your attention. It has to be really interesting to you. It has to be something you're great at is number two. And so you have to be a rock star at it. There's just, there's just no room for even medium performance. So you've got to pick something that overlaps if there's a Venn diagram between you know, what you are really, really good at and what you're going to be doing. Ideally, you have a really good Venn diagram there because you've got to you know, you got to step in and bat 300 in your, in your rookie season. And, and then number three, it has to open doors for you. It has to be something that, you know, after, after five years of doing it, you're going to, your marketability is going to go up. And here's the, here's the final telltale, uh, telltale sign, and then I'll stop and turn it back over to you. I think the best transitions, you know, if I had a billboard of you, and I, and I could make all the companies that are going to interview you at a conference, like drive by this billboard. The billboard would say, would say um, you know, successful, proven military leader with incredible business potential. That's what it would say. It'd have a picture of you. It would have your, you know, your bio on it. And, and people would look and be like, yeah, super sharp military leader, just loaded with leadership potential for a corporation. But five years from now, that billboard would change 
and it would say proven business leader, proven track record of, of high potential business leadership who happens to have come from the military. And to make that switch, you've got to have the right type of work in your, your first five years. Your first five years need to be foundational investment in your career. And, 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 and sometimes I talk about a wedding cake and I put that layer, that first layer out of the military. And I say, that is the place where the transition is going to take place. It's the place where you have the highest risk, not, not, not the highest risk for being successful per se, but the highest risk of, of, of losing your sense of direction, of getting lost. It's the only time you're going to transition out of the military. You can do it once, hopefully once. And, and it's going to be this first role out of the military. Treat it with the, with the seriousness and the respect that it deserves so that you're super successful there and it will open doors for you. And with those open doors are going to come many geographies and many different ways to pivot right and left. Once you become that proven business leader, um, there's a lot of ways to play that. Right. Absolutely. We got our first question, Chuck, and it's actually something you touched on earlier. Um, not as weighty as everything that you just addressed there with the, the but it says with many businesses adjusting their model during COVID, uh, people are working from home and working remotely. Do you see this as a permanent change or, or affecting companies way they hire and operate for the future? Yes, definitely. I mean, permanent in that we'll at least, at least for a generation or two, nobody is going to forget what just happened. And so I think absolutely it is, it is challenging organizations to think differently about, uh, about talent. It's one of the things I'm just really excited about because I think just, just as a, as a corporate leader, it just allows you to think so differently about, about talent. And, and so I think it will change businesses forever. Now, now, to what degree? Well, it depends on the industry. And so, you know, I don't see hotels shutting down hotels. And so, you know, I don't see manufacturing shutting down manufacturing. But, but I just think there's going to be a much, much wider acceptance that, um, you know, do we really need to all, you know, travel eight hours by plane to meet with somebody for an hour? You know, I, I, I think it's going to, business models are going to change. And I think, again, this whole location thing, there's, you know, the military way is, is, you know, the 10 hour drive from Washington, DC, which by the way, I didn't, I didn't say this. I'm not a 10 hour. I live in Texas. Isn't that funny? I told my wife when we were young um, and engaged or about to be engaged, she hadn't said yes yet. I told her she's from Colorado, but I told her that I would never leave the Northeast ever. Isn't that funny? Like I was so adamant about that. And it's just funny what you say when your world is, you know, 287 Infantry and 2nd Brigade in the 10th Mountain Division. And it's funny the things that, you know, so I don't fault anybody. I just, I just, uh, but I think this location thing because of COVID and remote work and Zoom, and it's going to take a lot of pressure off leaders in both, you know, where you live and how much you travel. I think it's going to change it forever. So as we head into the holidays, Chuck, um, and you touched on this with your with your mom, um, how, what you got sitting around the the dinner table in a, two weeks, ten days from now, nine days from now, and the con the conversation comes up. Uh, let's say if it's our January April candidates, hey, you're getting out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, what's your plan? Where are you in the event? Where are you going to live? Is going to be one of your first questions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, well, why don't you get your resume out there? Why don't you do this? This is a lot of like advice that's more tailored to the traditional person. Mm-hmm. And you've given a lot of people a lot of things to think about. How do they navigate to stay on this? This is my strategy, which is five years down the road. And I'm thinking about just three months from now, and all these people who love me are telling me this, how do I navigate and think through to keep my eye focused on what the most important uh, piece of my transition is? Yeah, well, and I think it, I think it's just one to, to recognize the, the reaction of it all, because it's true. It's all, they're saying things that are, that are real, you know, you have been away and it's, you've missed things. And so I think, I think number one is just to recognize the nature of what the conversation is like during the holiday. And, and I think once you recognize the nature of things, it's, it's a lot easier. And I think, you know, you really do want your loved ones saying things like that. They love you. And so I think another thing that I've always, you know, said to my family is that, you know, I'll, and I believe me, I haven't missed one wedding or I haven't missed anything. You know, if it's, if it's a special occasion, first communion, you know, wedding, uh, graduation, you know, I'm there. And, and I'm there because I care and I have time and I have, I have the wherewithal now and I don't have a battalion commander uh, making me sign a document on how I'm going to spend my Saturday and my Sunday. And, and, and uh, you know, holidays are uh, they're up to you. I mean, you, 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 you fought for our freedom, but you've actually never been free. And, and you're, you know, if you get out of the military, you're about to be free. So I think the thing to do is just to recognize the world you're in. And, and don't lose sight of your 10-year plan. I, I, I also say this, I don't know if it's urban legend or not, but it, it drills the point home that I read somewhere that, that Teddy Roosevelt's mom always wanted him to be a dentist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just really funny. You know, there's a, a man who is unbelievably successful, but I just sort of picture, and, you know, having a, having a very uh, strong-willed mother myself, I kind of picture uh, his mother, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm running for office. And she's like, Oh, Ted, Theodore, I really wanted you to be a dentist. And, you know, him, him fighting, going to dental school, uh, you know, inventor, you know, pioneer, explorer, uh, president, you know, just the, the guy, the guy probably had to withstand some, uh, some serious uh, family pressure to be able to stay the course on what his real, you know, what his real uh, dreams uh, are. And, just like the military wall, there are no slow starts that turn out good. There are just no slow starts. Same with the business world. Like you really don't want to get into something where you're, um, you're starting slowly. The ship will sail and you're, you know, you're in a wonderful time in your life where you can market yourself as talent right now, but that's not forever. It's not forever. I mean, they're, uh, the, the chance of competing as a business person for that XO job or maybe even a company commander job is a heck of a lot better than trying to compete, you know, as a, as a 45-year-old company commander, um, you know, right? I mean, you're not going to be able to do that. And so I think you got to, if you're, if you're going to get out and you have the desire to grow and as a developmental uh, type leader, as a talent leader in a business, you know, you, you know the time is now. And any family member that, that understands that, maybe that is gotten out of the military and uh, 
and had a very successful business career out of the military that, you know, is a leader in a big company is going to tell you the exact same thing. Get out and, um, and explore your options, test your marketability. And, you know, one thing I've said to my three kids, none of them served in the military, which makes me sad, but they're all graduated from school as I told them all when they were going to college, I was like any place but Texas. I mean, no offense. There are a lot of good schools in Texas, but I just wanted my kids to get out and explore the broader um, world that is out there, knowing that later on, if they do that really well, there'll be time to, to move careers later. But, uh, you know, you have to do it while you're young. Absolutely. So, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about 2021. Um, you know, before you, you give the forecast of what you think is going to happen in 2021, or if even if you can, because we touched on this in some of our conversations today, you have people that are thinking, why should I get out in 2021 when I can wait for a vaccine to repair everything? And everybody's telling me by the end of the year, we're going to be back to normal in 2021. Why should I get out if I can get out now? Why should I get out now? And why shouldn't I just wait for 2022? Yeah, I understand, you know, and I think everybody's got to cross this bridge. And I, I don't know that I have a great answer, you know, for you, except for to say, I don't know, right? I don't know what you, you know, I, I can't predict in 2022 that it's going to be any better than 2021. And I really have stopped trying to time the market, you all. Like, I, I think timing the economy is extraordinarily difficult. And if you happen to be an economist or you studied economics, you know, you can go and there are surveys out there where they poll like the top 500 economists in the United States and, you know, half of them think one thing and the other half think the other thing. And so very, very difficult to, uh, to time uh, the economy. And I guess what if you waited and waited and it was worse? You know, what, what happens if that happens? Uh, uh, you know, it's so, so I, I'm not a big what if kind of person. I think the big thing is, is ask yourself, what is your objective? And start with what your objective is and work backwards, just like you would in the military. And, and if, your goal, if your objective is that you're, you know, you're going you're gonna to get out of the service as a junior officer, if, that, if, that, if your goal lies with, hey, I want to launch a private sector career like you know, a lot of people have done, I would tell you, uh, state that objective and then work backwards and how to be successful regardless of what the economy is. And a lot of the things that, you know, Joel is, uh, talks about and the team here talks about is the, is the way to, uh, to get out and be successful in any economy. What are, your, what are your risk measures? Don't restrict. Don't restrict. You know, don't, don't narrowness is narrowness. Broadness is broadness. Broad choices today lead to broader options later. Narrow choices today lead to narrower options later. And so that would be my risk management strategy. I would be taking a longer term view on my, on my transition. It's a little bit like investing in the stock market. I mean, everybody's going to ask you, you know, how do you time the market in investing? And yeah, if you're looking on a 12 month horizon, you better be really careful about money you put in the stock market. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're looking longer term, you know, on a 10 year horizon, there is absolutely no better time than right now to invest. So, so, you know, take a larger term view on it, be strategic, you know, work with our team, ask them questions. There's nothing wrong with a preference. Everybody has a preference. 
I still think even today, even though I've lived here for 26 years, my preference is still for the Northeast. You know, I haven't lost that. I love the vacation up there and I spend all my family still up there and I spend a lot of time up there. So I haven't, I haven't lost my interest in that, you know, geography. It's always been my preference. It's just that it's not a restriction either. And so, so, you know, think, think strategically about your search and, and control what you can control. I've always been a lot better about controlling myself than I've been about trying to control things. Candidly, I don't even know anybody that can figure out how to control it. It's way too complex, like the U.S. economy. Yeah, there's a, there's a parallel to, you know, I was thinking about in, in March because I, of this year, because I've been through September 11th, I've been through 2009 mm-hmm. as an investor. Not, not career searching, but there's a parallel here. I mean, the market was just tanking. I think I lost like 30% of my portfolio or something like that, 28% of my portfolio in like the matter of two weeks in March. So if I decided at that time, whoa, put the brakes on, get everything out, and I'm going to wait for everything to get back, we just set a record and for, the, for the Dow this what, couple days ago. And who would have predicted that in March we would have set a record for the for the Dow? It's unbelievable, right? It's, and there's a parallel. We just you just stay in it. You, I I mitigate my risk by being diversified and and not narrowing, as you said. And certainly, if I'd stayed in energy stocks, and, not, and that would have been the only thing that would have been a bad thing to do. But I think there's a parallel. You just can't. You got to what's what's my objective here? And the other thing too is I'm young. This is the same thing with the career, man. You're young. Got so much things in front of you. Invest in that career now. And and it's so helpful to to do that. And I think there's a parallel to what you were talking about. Well, and it's another Buffett quote, just to borrow another one, right? You know, I gave you the one already that, you know, be, be you know, run your company so so when the tide goes out, you know, you're you're uh, you're not swimming naked. But I think the other one that Buffett talks about that I believe so much in, and I think has a lot to do with careers is you know, when everybody else is brave, be scared. And when everybody else is scared, be brave. That's it. That's it, right? Don't, don't follow the herd on it. And, and, you know, I think the reason he's worth a hundred and some odd billion dollars now is because, you know, it takes, it takes a little bit of faith. And like Joel said too, a little bit of a longer term horizon to, to, uh, uh, to, to, uh, be able to, um, invest like that. But I also think he loves that quote. Um, you know, if you wait till the, ro- you hear the Robin chirping, spring is over. And so, you know, a lot, everybody will wait to hear, you know, the stock market chirping, but the, the, like Joel just said, the opportunity is, is gone by then. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in these people that have made really smart investments. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in what you've been trained to do as a military decision maker you know, to weigh multiple courses of action, to war game those uh, courses of action, to understand risk and to make smart decisions, um, you know, to understand your commander's intent and stick to your commander's intent. You, you know, you've been trained on a lot of this. And if you apply that to your transition out of the service, you know, between the wisdom of people who've been around like Warren Buffett and other great leaders that have written incredible books and, um, uh, and you're, uh, you know, co- combined with a with you looking at your own ten year plan. There's strong business case for uh, for what you need to be doing now to prepare. 
you know, I think that's the silver lining for the JMOs that did make the transition in uh, 2020 is that they train and we touched on this when we started, they transitioned into an environment where, where people were scared and they were brave. What's the return on the end of that investment? Like, well, we, we've been hearing from our alum because we've been having these follow-up calls with them. Some of them have been working like at, at, at Catalan, working seven days a week and actually loving it. Why? Because they're going to have on their resume in two years that they made two versions of the COVID vaccine. Yeah. It'll be forever marketable yeah. in, 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 the, in the biopharmaceutical industry. That's going to be at the top of their resume. Now, I doubt that other than one that I can think of, said that they wanted to go to Bloomington, Indiana to do that. To yeah. do, that they, when they were getting out, they wanted Bloomington to be their yeah. top choice. Yeah. And they did that for that opportunity. And that's just one example, but that's the silver lining. It could be the food, as I mentioned at Mars, or it could be in uh, orthopedic sales at Globus Medical. They were in tough markets and they've earned their stripes. That's the silver lining. And it's interesting. I remember my career, there was Angela Dotson, you probably remember her. She didn't want to, yeah. one of our client company recruiters, she didn't want to meet with me after her interviewing day. And she, I was right there with Renee. She's like, I don't want to meet with Joel. And Renee's like, really? Yeah, he hasn't earned his stripes yet. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know what? She's right. I haven't done anything, right? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I've now I've got my stripes. That's the silver lining. So we're going to close here with a couple personal questions for you, Chuck. What's your personal greatest lesson in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this it's really a reminder that how uh, how uh, gratifying it is to uh, to develop junior people. It's just so gratifying to watch a team that you've invested in and it just watch them perform. Like I, I, I'm not, honestly, I'm not sure I've ever been happier in my life professionally than uh, than watching you know young people. Um, do what they're fully capable of of doing, and so you know that um, I, I don't like how we got here. I think that it's uh, tragic um, with with pandemics and death deaths, and I mean that's been really rough. I but it is um, you know it's just uh, it's uh, it's incredibly gratifying to attack problems head on. I said it in my in one of my. Um, in a Christmas message I just sent out to our holiday message I just sent out to alumni that I think will hit LinkedIn here in a, in a day or two that, you know, it's amazing the beating that leaders can take when they, when you approach adversity with a positive mindset and how transforming that adversity can be into new skills and new capabilities. And so it's just a reminder of that. And, you know, you're hard how we got here. But but what's what's happened has been um, has been gratifying, and I think people will talk about this year and next year, these next two years, twenty and twenty one. I think that they will talk about these this twenty four month period of time for the next fifty years. I think they'll study it in history books, and and the things that we took away from it. Yeah, my you know, for my to share my personal lesson was actually something that was reinforced for me is. And I'm sure there's other quotes, but I mean, a lot better, uh, smarter people. When I go back to finding Nemo and Dory saying, just keep on swimming. I love and, that quote. And I, and I, <laughs> and I just, I kept, I said that to the team in March 14th, 15th, you know, you had your talk, I had my talk and kept reminding them that we really only have one choice. We just keep on swimming and you just keep moving forward. 
Um, so that was my lesson reinforced. Okay, Chuck, what are you most looking forward to in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think I, I'm, I have to say, I'm just, I, I want, I want the vaccine. And so I want, uh, I just, I can't wait for society and families and schools to be, to be back again. Um, you know, it's, it's hard, it's easy for us to take it on the chin, you know, it's hard to watch our kids do that. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I really pray for that. And I, I, I hope that, uh, we can get our, all our kids back in school and, you know, I don't want to rob that experience from them. That's a unique time in their lives too. So I just, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for, you know, companies that have uh, pulled off a miracle getting this vaccine out. And now, you know, of course they need to ramp up and get a few hundred million copies uh, out and, and get this thing behind us and get us back into hotels again and restaurants and schools and studying and learning calculus again and back in front of real whiteboards and, you know, in classroom lectures and all of that. That really is, uh, you know, it's a defining time for young people. So that's my hope, Joel. Yeah, mine, you know, maybe next year we're doing this again and we're sitting, we're sitting here. <laughs> you're right over there. But we, are, <laughs> we can be sitting in front of a video camera. Together. Uh, together. Yeah. That's uh, right. Instead of, instead of physically distancing. Yeah, and mine's very much the same way. You know, I'll, I'll have a, 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 you know, you've got one that's going to be up in New York. I'll have one up in just outside the city as well. And in New Jersey and another one in, in Indiana. And then my parents uh, will be in Wisconsin and my in-laws will be in there. I want to go see family. Yeah. I want to get, I want to get back on the plane and and uh, go see family. I want to get back on planes and see you all, JMOs. I want to get up yeah. and sit across from you face to face. We tried to do this in October. We started to do a restart and all of a sudden it went back up. But I forgot how much I missed the three-dimensional emotion. There is something just that there is, there's an energy that is exchanged in person that you just don't get here. And I'm looking forward to being able to do that in 2021. Chuck, you've been amazing. It's great to get your voice out here. It reminds me we need to do more of this. Um, get your voice out in front of the JMOs. And for all of you that were on here listening, thank you for, for doing this. Always send, uh, you can email me at joel at cameronhickenbrooks.com. Everybody have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a great New Year and a great evening. Thanks. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I think Joel really hit the nail on the head with his motto, just keep swimming. I guess it's technically Dory's motto. But I think we've all personally experienced how transforming adversity can be, and it has led us to this exact moment starting 2021. Thank you to all of our listeners. And if you enjoy listening to our podcast or you're just looking to start 2021 with some good juju, we'd love for you to write us a review. Until next time.